Hello everyone and welcome back to the MTG Novels Project. The MTG Novels Project is available both on YouTube and as a podcast version. Check the description for more details. A legal note. This is an unofficial audiobook with original content belonging to Wizards of the Coast. This content is covered under a 2017 Wizards of the Coast giant content policy. Listener discretion is advised. Today we continue with Chapter 19 of Planeswalker. By Lynn Abbey. Urza and Zancha walked away from Sarah's realm, not long after Zancha gave him her heart. Zancha was scarcely wiser about the imperfections of Sarah's creation than she'd been when he'd walked into the palace, though it was clear that her presence, so close to the cocoon, affected not only the realm as a whole, but Sassina's recovery from the Aegis's burns. For Sassina and Keniaderm, Zancha would have accepted Sarah's offer of transit to another natural and whole inherently balanced world. But the offer was made a, not made a second time. Urza accepted Sarah's judgment. Even though he detrusted Zancha as a Frexian, he'd been through too much with her to let her go on alone. He held Zancha in his arms for that first terrible strip across the chasm that separated a willful created plane from a natural multiverse. She held a sealed chest nearly filled with gifts from the Lady Sarah. The gifts included a miniature cocoon that was the perfect size for Zancha's amber heart. Their first natural world was a tiny, airless moon circling another world that appeared to be one vast blue-green ocean. Though Urza said otherwise, he made a chamber beneath the moon's surface and filled it with breathable air. His unusual course in a place where he could survive indefinitely, but Zancha could not. A terrible thing this, he said, removing Zancha's heart from the chest and placing it in the niche he had just finished. I believe it contains everything they took away from you. Even your soul. Despite his incursions into Frexia and Lady Sarah's assertion that Zancha wholly and entirely differed from any born man or woman, Zancha wouldn't surrender his belief that he that she'd been stolen from her parents and abominably transformed by her Frexian captors. She no longer bothered arguing the point with him. It was reassured to treat as he'd always treated her. I would destroy it if I could find a way to return what it has taken. But that mystery does not solve itself easily, and I cannot devote my energies to it until I determine the first plane of the Frexians, and my vengeance has feasted on their entrails. You will understand that vengeance must come first. Zancha nodded unnecessarily. Urza had not asked her a question. His concentration did not extend beyond his own thoughts, and he didn't notice her head moving. Sarah and I determined that the true number of natural planes in the multiverse cannot be counted, even by an immortal. If one started at the beginning, New planes would have emerged, and old planes would have disappeared before the count was concluded. This is not, however, ins an insurmountable problem, as we can be certain that the Frexians were not driven away from a f freshly endangered plane, and while it would be a tragedy in their keystone plane had succumbed to empty entropy and reorganization, we need not blame ourselves for the loss. That it is only necessary that I start somewhere and proceed with great precision until I reach the end which with the multiverse is also the beginning. Do you understand what this means? Sancha nodded, confident that Urza would continue explaining himself until her answer was truthful. Good. I will of necess necessity walk lightly. I had thought of creating my own plane, since such planes are always accessible across the chasm. But I would have to create a plane in which both you and I could thrive. Sarah told me that such a creation would be difficult to manage. Black essence, which is to say your essence, and white, which is mine, are deeply opposed to each other, 
and virtually impossible to balance in a microcosm of the created plane. Now I do not shirk challenges, but I must avenge my brother before I allow myself the pleasures of pure research. Thus I have put creation out of my mind. I will do with bolt holes such as this, which I will forge and relocate as I have need of them. There is an element of proximity in the multiverse, and eventually one is to walk within an easy walk of a particular plane. This should be a relief to you, Zancha, since I will keep your heart in such a place that where it cannot be lost or disturbed. It is also useful for me, since when I know where you are, I also know where your heart is, and contrawise as well. And Sarah has returned that crystal present I gave you, which while I was fleeing Frexia. She fixed it out of the many boxes and draped it around Sancha's neck. You and I, and your heart, and my pendant, together shall make a single unit, a triangle, the strongest of angled creatures. None of us can get lost. Triangles. Triangles with four points. It had to be mathematics. Of all the lessons Zancha had been taught in the Fane of Flesh, mathematics had came hardest. She'd long since learned that she didn't need to understand the way and why of mathematics if she simply followed all the rules. If the rules turned her heart into one of the triangle's four parts, she'd keep quiet about it. And she survived with her heart in a niche in an airless moon, the same way she'd survived the centuries when it had laid in the Fraxian vault. What do you need of me, she asked, hoping to forestall any further discussion of unimaginable triangles. You're quite good at sticking out Fraxians. When we reach a plane, I want you to explore it as you would any, looking for any infestations. I'll need to use the fear. Is that all right? The modifications are made a sore point between them. You'll fix it so it isn't black anymore? Or as they ignored her questions. For me, being somewhat quickly is easier than getting there slowly. I will search for the victors, the folk who drew the Phyrexians out, and force them to create Phyrexia. You will do what you want, Sancha, though you are most private corner of her mind. Of course she would. Life is never better than when she soared on the windstreams, chasing her curiosity, trading tickets with strangers, and collecting the stories that born folk told. What do you do if I find a Phyrexian infestation? She liked a word her mind filled with the many possible ways to drive out infestation. You run away. The moment you're aware of Frexians, you hide yourself in the meeting place. I'll point out to you. And you wait for me. I'll take no more chances with you and Frexians. You're vulnerable to them, Zancha. It's no fault of yours. You're brave and good-spirited, but they tainted you. You are a bell goat, and after you followed me to Frexia, my enemies were able to find, use you to find me, much as I will use your heart to find you. I never told you the ineffable's name. That's how they found you, Sancha thought, but said nothing. She made her choice to stay with Urza, even knowing his obsessive and madness. If he reordered his memories of the past to absolve himself of blame or responsibility, he'd done it before, and he'd do it again. Sancha believed in vengeance against Frexia, and believed that Urza, with all his flaws, stood a better chance of achieving it than she. So they began their quest for the victors, the folk who driven the Frexians out of the natural multiverse. Urza says mark on each world they visited, regardless of its hospitality. That way, he said, they would know if they came full circle. Sancha wasn't certain about the full circle notion. It raised some of the same problems as a four-pointed triangle, but the marks kept them from accidentally exploring the same world twice. It was no surprise to Sancha that they found very few hospitable worlds where the Frexians had not made an appearance. She had been a dollager. She knew about the relentless explorations carried out by the searcher priests. 
The first few decades after leaving Sir's realm, she spent most of her time huddled up in whatever meeting place Urza designated. Then gradually, Urza had relaxed his rules. She would wander freely, provided she encountered no act of Fraxians. Thus became a golden age of wandering the multiverse. Every handful of worlds had one that was hospitable enough for Urza Zancha to exchange Urza's armor for the sphere. Every ten or twelve ha handfuls of hospitable worlds revealed one that was interesting, at least Zancha. She became the tourist who delighted in minor variations, while Urza was on a single-minded quest. They were here, he said, when they rejoined each other. They met in a white stone grotto of a world where elves were the dominant species, and Srexians were met by forests, not cities. I know, Zancha agreed having found the spore of two searcher expeditions and her chaos of demons with glistening metallic skin and several languages. Searchers came through a good long time ago. They're remembered as demons and the bringers of chaos. They came through again, maybe a thousand Loki years ago, but only a few places. They collected beasts both times, I think. There's metal here, but no mines. The searchers will come back again. They're waiting for the elves to do the hard work of opening the ground. Urzan thought nodded that he wasn't happy. How do you learn such things? There are no centers of learnings here. Few records in the ground or above it. I found it most frustrating. I talked to everyone, Urza. I traded with them, she explained, handing Urza a sack full of trinkets and treasure, her profits from three seasons wandering. He'd taken them to the bolt hole, where he kept her heart. Everyone has a story. A story, Zancha? What I want is the truth. The hardest truth. She squared her shoulders. The truth is this is not the victor's world, and I could have told you that before the sun set twice. And how could you have done that? No one here knows a word for war. Urza stiffened. A planeswalker didn't have to listen into it with his ears. He could skim thought and mean directly off the surface of another mind, and drink down a new language of water. As a result, Urza seldom paid attention to the actual world he heard, or she spoke. He handed poorly surprised embarrassment worse. He had stopped breathing, and his eyes shed their mortal illusion. I've encountered a new world, he snapped after a pensive moment. Equilor. His lips didn't move. Zedja didn't believe him, although Equilor wasn't a word that she remembered hearing on this or any other word. Is this a name? He said cautiously. An old name. The oldest name. The furthest plane. It belongs to a plane on the edge of time. Another world, like Frexia or Sarosbaum's? No, I think not. I hope not. She'd wager, if she'd ever been the wagering sort, that Urza hadn't learned of Ecuador from the elves, but had heard of it years ago and forgotten it until just now when she challenged him. They settled at once, with no more preparation than Urza made for any other in-between world journey. He explained that preparation and especially directions weren't important. Walking the between worlds wasn't like walking down a path. There's no north or south, left or right, only the black rock grow of all the plants that were, and rising out of the glow. A sense of those plants that a walker could reach in a single stride. By choosing the faintest of the rising plants at each step, Urza insisted in time to arrive at Equilor, the plane on the edge of time. Sancha could imagine a place where direction didn't matter, but then... For her, the between worlds remained a hostile as it had always been. Urza dragged her through it. For her, the in-between worlds was a changeless place, a paradox and sheer terror. At first, the only evidence she had that Urza was doing anything different was indirect, 
Her armor crumbled the instant Urza released her, and the air of the next new world. There was breathable air in each new world they walked to, as if he that last gave up the notion that the Frexians could have begun in a world without air, and Urza himself was exhausted when they arrived. He would go to the ground and sleep as much as the local year when she explored. There were some thirty worlds beyond the elven forest world when Urza announced, as Sanchez shook herself free of flanking armor. Here, you don't need to look for Phyrexians. Here, we'll find others of my kind. Urza didn't mean that he brought her to Dominaria. Every so often, he journeyed alone to the brink of his birth world to assume himself that it remained safe from the shard they discovered long ago. Urza meant, instead, that he'd broken an age-old habit and set them down on a plane where other walkers congregated. He'd never insinuated that he was unique, at least as far as walking between worlds. Sir was a walker, and so Zanja suspected had been the ineffable. But Urza had avoided other walkers until they came to an abandoned world he called Gastal. Be wary, he warned Zanja. I do not trust them. Without a plane to bind them, walkers forget what they are. They become predators unless they go mad. Knowing Urza fell in the land of Karagori, Sancho stayed carefully in his shadow as they approached a small, fanciful, and entirely illusionary pavilion, standing by itself on the barren twilight plain. But the three men and two women they met there seemed unthreatening. They knew Urza, or knew of him, and welcomed him as a prodigal brother, though Sancho couldn't actually follow their conversation. Planeswalkers conversed directly in one another's mind. But Urza was not the only planeswalker who tempered his solidarity like with a more ordinary companion. Outside the pavilion, Sancho met two other women, one of them a blind dwarf who braved the worlds between on the walker's arm. Throughout the balmy night, the three of them sought a common language through which to share experiences and advice. By dawn, they made progress in a creole that was a mix mostly from elvish dialects with a hundred or more worlds. Sancho had just pieced together that Faratsu, a dwarf, had heard of Phyrexia when Urza emerged to say it was time to move on. Sancho rose reluctantly. Valshu said that she and Manatarque had crossed swords with folk made from flesh and metal. Worlds fair to the second sun, yellow green in color, loomed suddenly high overhead. The air exploded as it hurtled towards them. Sancho had the wit to be frightened but hadn't begun to guess why or to yawn Urza's arm from the cyst. When a Philian burst into screaming flames and Urza seized her against the chest, he pulled her between worlds. Without her armor to protect her, she was bleeding and gasping when they reemerged. Urza laid her down on the ground, then cradled her face in her hands. Don't go, he whispered. It seemed an incongruous request. Zanja wasn't about to go anywhere. The between worlds had battered her to exhaustion. Her body seemed to have already fallen asleep. She wanted only to close her eyes and join it. No, Urza pinned her cheek. Stay awake. Stay with me. Power like fire or countless sharp needles swirled around her. Sancho fought feebly to escape the pain. She pleaded with him to release her. Live, he shouted. I won't let you die now. Death would have been preferable to the torture flowing from Urza's fingers. But Sancho had stretched to resist his will. Moat by moat he healed her and dragged her back from the brink. Sleep now if you wish. His hand passed over her eyes. For an instant there was darkness and oblivion. Then there was light, and Zanja was herself again. She exhaled a pent-up breath and sat up. 
I don't know what came over me. Death, Ursa said calmly. I nearly lost you. She remembered the yellow-green sun. We must go back. Fortescue. Manantarquay. Cross-soldered the Frexians, yes. Manantarquay was the pavilion. She died on Gestal. A shudder raced down Zaja's spile. There's more than Irv was saying. How long ago? In a time of this plane? Nearly two years. Sancha knows her surroundings. A bare-walled chamber with a window but not a door. She knows herself. Her skin was white. It cracked and flaked when she moved. I guess her armor clung to her dead layers around her. Her hair, which she'd always hacked about two inches around her face, hung below her shoulders. Two years, she repeated, needing to say the words herself to keep them true in her mind. Long years. Very long, Urza assured her. I've recovered. I never doubted you would if I stayed beside you. You'd be hungry soon. I'll get you food now. Tomorrow or the next days, we'll move on toward Equilor. Already, Zanja felt her stunning turning to life. After two empty years, food would be nice. But there's another question. At Gestal, Manatark, he said she was a pavilion. Did you mean she was a Frexian and that you slew her? No. Manatark was a walker like myself, but much younger. I have no presented idea why she put herself as an object. I didn't ask. It was her choice. Perhaps she hopes to hide from her enemies. Frexians? Other planeswalkers. I told you, they, we, can become predatory, especially toward the newly sparked. I was nearly taken myself in the beginning. Meshu Vel was her name. She was no threat to me. Her eyes revealed no other walker can see. Until Sarah, I avoided my own kind. They had no part to play in my quest for vengeance. I've been thinking about walkers since leaving Sarah's realm. I thought I might need someone more like myself, but they died. Manaktark died. I suspect the others escaped unharmed, as I did. They prey on the young and the mortal, because a mature walker is no easy target. But I had made up my mind almost from the start. I don't need another walker. I need you. To finally realize that. And then feel you will die so soon after. It was almost enough to make me worship the fickle gods. Zancha imagined Urza on his knees or in a temple. He closed her eyes and laughed. He was gone when he, she reopened them. It was too stiff yet to climb up through the window. Her saying herself insisted that Urza wouldn't abandon her. Not after sitting beside her for two years. Not after what he did about needing her. Then the sun world passed beyond the window. Sadie's voice grew weaker as the shadow lengthened. Of all the ways Zancha knew to die, starvation was among the worst. She had dragged herself to the window and was hauled herself over the sill, but she felt a breeze at her back. The breeze was thick with fresh bread, roasted f meat and fish. Urza had returned. He called the meal a celebration and ate with her, at least until the more ordinary sort of tiredness drove Zancha back to bed, where she'd lain for so long. She woke with the sun. There's a door behind the window. More food and somewhere on the sun near the edge of time. A world called Equilor. Later, after they'd gotten to Denaria, when Zancha sorted through her memories, the largest pile belonged to the years they had searched for Equilor. Every season, for more than a thousand Dominarian years, she and Urza wanted the multiverse. Take another world's measure. There were surprises and excitement. Most of the minor variety. 
after Sarah's realm, Phyrexia seemed to lose interest in them, or at least had lost their trail. Though they sometimes found evidence of searcher priests and excavations, eventually everything they found was long abandoned. I'm heading in the right direction, Urza would say, whenever they came to an eroded woman no one else would notice. I'm heading towards the world that cast them out. Zancha was never so confident, but she never understood how Urza found anything in the in-between worlds, much less how he distinguished hospital worlds from inhospitable ones. Nearly from far, she was content to follow a path that led endlessly away from the fractures she knew, and towards a vengeance that seemed equally distant. Until the day when they came to a quiet twilight world, the edge of time itself, Urza said he was released Sancha's wrists. She shed her armor and filled her lungs with the air that was unlike any other. Old, she said after a few moments. It's as if everything finished, not dead, just time growing and changing. Even the mountains are smoothed down, like they've been standing too long, but nothing came to replace them. She gestured towards the great dark lump that dominated the landscape, like a risen loaf of bread. Somehow, I expected an edge to have sharp angles, Urza nodded. I expected a plane where everything had been put to use, not like this neglected and left fallow, yet not completely fallow. As twilight deepened, lights winked open near the solitary mountain. There's a road, too. A ribbon of worn grey stones cut in chevrons and fitted so perfectly that not a blade of grass grew between them. Urza insisted that he had no advanced idea of what a plane was like, no way at all to selecting the exact place where his feet would touch the ground. Yet more often than not, he walked up between worlds in sight of road and town. They began to travel down the road. A carpet of bats took flight from the mountains, passing directly over their heads. When their shrill chirp had subsided, other noises punctuated the night. Howls, growls, and a bird with a sweet yet mournful song. Stars appeared, unfamiliar of course, and scattered sparsely across the sky. No moon outshone them, but it was the nat nature of moons to produce moonless nights now and again. What surprised Sancho was the scarcity of stars. If his time were stars, then the black sky were itself the edge of time. A strange place, Sancho decided as they strolled down the road, not ominous or inhospitable, but filled with secrets. So as long as you're wondering, what as long as, long as you're one of them, this is Frexia. I would care about the rest. The light came from the cobweb globes hovering about the road, and three score graceful hosts of unfortified town. Urza found himself in, into the air, examining them, and reported solemnly that he had not a clue to their construction or operation. They simply are, he said, and my instinct is to leave them alone. Sancho smiled to herself. If that was Urza's instinct, then whatever the globes were, they weren't simple. A man came out to meet them. He appeared orderly enough, so Sancho understood how deceptive an ordinary appearance could be, and it bothered her that she hadn't noticed him, that if any one of the nearby houses hadn't noticed any one at all, until he was some fifty poises ahead and walked towards them. He stood, he wore a knee-like robe over his loose trousers, both woven from a pale, lightweight fiber that rippled as he moved and sparkled, as if it were shot with silver. His hat and beard were dark auburn in the globe light, and nearly trimmed. 
A few wrinkles creased the outer corners of his eyes. Zancha placed him in the prime of mortal life, but she'd place Urza there too. Welcome, Urza, the stranger said. Welcome to Ekelor. We've been waiting for you. That was chapter 19 of Planeswalker. Please like, subscribe, and follow on YouTube or on your chosen podcast platform. Thanks for listening.